Welcome to the Confidence Mastery Unlock Your Life podcast, covering the most essential areas of personal development for ultimate success, your health, wealth, and happiness. Your host, Natalie Bailey, the Confident Entrepreneur. Natalie is a confidence coach, property developer, and bright red-haired fitness fanatic who is going to take you on a journey to confidently create a more inclusive, more successful, and fulfilled life. Get listening, take action, and unleash your inner confidence. Welcome to this week's Confidence Mastery Podcast. I'm very, very excited to bring to you today a lady that's going to help you with your curiosity. And we'll talk about how curiosity saved the cat, not killed it. Um, Melinda is an absolutely incredible speaker, transformational, super conscious catalyst coach, and has an incredible energy about her. You're going to learn how you can turn off your anxiety, how you can increase your confidence, how the medical industry is not doing us any favours by not looking at the problem's origin, but instead trying to mask the symptoms of what's going on this is a really deep and interesting conversation that you're going to absolutely love melinda is absolutely incredible she's done amazing things with her life with speaking helping people in many many different areas of life and she is absolutely phenomenal there are 70 benefits to curiosity and if you check the show notes you'll be able to find her find out how she cured her brain fog um, and also dropped five dress sizes um, in this incredible episode. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you at the end. I'm very, very excited to bring you today's guest. We are going to have an incredible conversation with Melinda Mulkey. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to speak with you. Would you let the listeners just know a little bit about yourself before we get going? Well, Natalie, I just want to say thank you so much for having me, and um, and you are a terrific inspiration. So I'm I'm excited to be here, and I just want to uh, very very quickly uh, introduce why I'm I'm here because I talk about curiosity a lot, and uh, that's my niche, uh, and the reason why I feel it's so important is because uh, at a time when I had what you would call a divine storm, uh, in fact, throughout throughout all the process of becoming if you like I realized my curiosity got me through everything so I I then decided to study it I looked into it and thought wow why aren't we seeing this and I really want to uh, introduce people to the concept of curiosity and you know hopefully they can understand it a bit better. I'm very excited to dig into this with you because there's there's that saying, isn't there? Curiosity killed the cat. Mm. Whereas I find the complete opposite. And the more that you look into something and you are, you know, stay curious, it's like learning. And um, so what what made you dig into it even more to research it? Well, um, at a particular time when I was uh, diagnosed with cancer, um, I realised that you can't be happy. You can't be grateful that you can be curious so that means that curiosity is not contingent upon anything and it's probably the only mechanism that we have that is not contingent upon anything and when I when I thought wow that's pretty amazing 
why aren't we sort of, why aren't we noticing this? And then I started to really look into it and realize that very few people study it. Um, and th- I mean, there's only a couple of people in the world that actually know anything about curiosity. And what's really interesting is that so far I've identified over 70 benefits. Now, to give you some perspective, according to Harvard Science, happiness only has nine benefits. What? Exactly. And what's really, really interesting is that you cannot increase your intelligence without curiosity. Mm. And you cannot improve your emotional intelligence without curiosity, which means that curiosity is actually more important than emotional intelligence and intelligence combined because it it um, it facilitates those. So it's just so impressive. It really is. That's made me curious. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it is fascinating because you're absolutely right. If you're not interested in figuring something out finding the solution to something you're never going to so you sit back and hold back but it's the curious people that do the best things in the world surely yeah well what I realized is that your number one success trait is curiosity and when you start to look at it when you start to see it you realize that for instance when um Forbes or maybe uh, LinkedIn, they produce these lists of all the the greatest traits that you should have in order for you to exceed in life as an entrepreneur or as someone who is, you know, making big waves in any kind of industry. What's really, really interesting is that the basis of every single one of those, whether it's uh, innovative thinking, creative thinking, whether it's um, analytical thinking, any of those requires curiosity. So it's mm-hmm. always there. And what I realized, because I started to unpick all this, is that the reason why it's always there, it's, it's because it's at the basis of how we think. Uh, it is in the process of thinking. So let me break that down. When you think, you actually go through a series of things. It's a process. And it's when you realize it becomes, it's quite scientific. So there's, uh, for instance, there's the mechanism of understanding, which requires curiosity. There's the mechanism of uh, perception, which requires curiosity. And then the concept of risk over reward, because the brain is always measuring. The brain is always determining its risks over its rewards. And what's going on, particularly for mental health, is that the brain is more focused on the risks. So it's trying to work out the risks. It's very focused on the risks. It's always got that, it's what I call a mind frame, which is based Mm -hmm. on risk as opposed to seeing the benefits, seeing the the pleasure. Um, And that is why we're having this really, really difficult time with trying to get through life. That that um, that measurement, the risk over reward measurement, I believe, is the, is the one thing that's causing a great deal of strife in the world. There seems to be a, an awful lot more of that recently as well. Don't would you agree? Yeah, I mean it's it's increasing, and the reason why it's increasing is you. We we really come from a foundation of this belief system, which is based 
entirely on um, survival, survival of the fittest, right? But when you actually understand that whole concept of survival of the fittest, it doesn't get you very far. And in addition to that, we then buy into this whole concept of um, uh, of competition. Now, when we're in competition, a lot of people really struggle with that whole process mentally. And when we struggle with that process, it holds us back because we're in fear all the time. Now, for those very, very small proportion of people, it drives them. So you have a very few amount of people who are driven by the concept of competition, but then you have a really high proportion of people who are not driven um, by um you know, by success, they they see it as something sort of that's so far in the distance because they're just they're buried alive by all of these fears because you know we, we're struggling to see ourselves in the sea of people, in the sea of people doing amazing things, of standing out. But what happens with curiosity is that when you begin to question that. When I teach my clients to question everything, question me, you know, question mm-hmm. everything so that every time you even have a PhD produce something new, question it. Are they right? Mm-hmm. Go to your doctor, question it. Are they right? Because the mm-hmm. truth is a lot of the time the information is biased. We are coming mm-hmm. from a biased perspective. So it's about actually pulling away all of these biases so we can get to the streamlined, most authentic authentic self, which is you without all these biases. Very hard to do. It's very hard to do. But it, it it's, is, very it is achievable. Do. Yeah. I've noticed a lot more people questioning things over the past three years. And, you know, if you look at the, the narrative that's pushed out to people, it's all fear-based yeah. in, in order to keep people in a certain state. Whereas we're now called the crazy ones for questioning anything. Whereas actually what you're saying makes perfect sense. Like, mm. is, is that the truth? Just because somebody said it doesn't mean that it is right. Yeah. And by questioning and, you know, I don't, like I said earlier, curiosity didn't kill the cat. Curiosity has helped us to find the truth and to find the right people to be around and, I think that makes a massive difference on it, on the way that you present yourself to the world as well. Yeah, definitely. When you start to go down the route of self-improvement, you'll find that the people that you were once in your life tend to fall away. And I mean, that's just a natural process. It's, sometimes it can be very difficult for people, certainly on this journey as a speaker for yourself. I'm sure that you've come across this whole concept of people that you, that were once in your life really struggling with you. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is. Um, but but what's interesting is that if you are prepared to continually question and you're questioning yourself and you're questioning your reality, that leads you on an, on an amazing journey of discovery. And what could be more interesting in life than being on a, on a discovery journey, you know? I, I always think, you know, going back to when we were kids, that, you know, when you were in that state of wonderment, and that's what I teach people because it's so powerful. Curiosity is not just a mechanism which a lot of people associate to do with questioning. 
it's it's really an energy system it's an energy state of being you you know it's, it's about um using dopamine and the, the brain chemicals that you get as a result of being curious to start to drive you so if i could just dig into that just a little bit if you don't mind because yes. a lot of people do associate curiosity with questioning right but it's only one part of it and mm. so there are three parts to curiosity in my opinion and that is um so you we've already mentioned the, uh, the the mechanism so this is your engine if you like when you ask a question that's the engine but before that that even happens you have to have a driver you have to have some kind of ignition so uh, curiosity is that it, it's like an insight it's like a a trigger that happens in your brain that feeds your whole body very very quickly which is based on um dopamine and dopamine is has always been known as the promise of reward. So, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, the, the, when you get a reward, uh, you get dopamine, but actually it's the promise of reward. So um, if you're even thinking about a reward and there's a promise that you're potentially going to get it, then you will get a hit of dopamine. Um, and that can be very troublesome for a lot of people because, you know, there's a lot of people addicted to, for instance, social media. So there are negative sides to curiosity, just like that there are negative sides to anything. But going back to this whole concept of uh, the three parts, part of that process, the ignition, is an intention. So if, for instance, if you've got someone who's really struggling mentally, chances are it's because actually their intention is not uh, conscious. And when your intention is not conscious, generally, when you're in automatic brain, it's just your brain trying to keep you safe. And what happens mm -hmm. is that you go down a very, very negative spiral because the brain is just trying to keep you safe. That's all it's trying to do. Its intention is good, but which way are you focused? So with intention, there has to be, right, which way am I focusing? And it has to be conscious until such time as you can train your brain to be automatically more positive going after the things that you want you have to make it more conscious. So it's a conscious effort to point yourself in the right direction. Because if you were to consider someone, for instance, who uh, wants to commit suicide, and this is something that I've, I've talked about with a lot of PhDs about, you know, um, uh, people on suicide ward, and they say uh, they're not curious. They are they are curious. Curio curiosity is, a, is an innate driver, right? It's, it's inbuilt. When something goes wrong, your curiosity will always kick in, first and foremost. What's really going on is intention. What is their intention? Because the brain is just trying to find a solution, but it's looking in the wrong direction. Because what's going on, it's just eventually the brain will just go, it, it's looking for meaning, looking for meaning, looking for meaning. And if it can't close that, can't close that file in the filing cabinet of the brain, then it starts to go, why me? Why me? What am I doing wrong? And all that. I know because I've been there. And then mm -hmm. you go to the, the the even worse thinking, which is just get me out of here. Just get me out of this, which also, by the way, requires curiosity. So if you had someone on suicide watch and you put them into a room with no windows, no doors, but they were really determined, they would definitely become very curious about that room and anything that was available to achieve their goal. So the question is, how can we turn people around? How can we make people understand that the brain is just looking for a way out? But if the driver is so strong 
and it's looking for a way out. How about we could just turn it, just ever so slightly turn it in a better direction because the, because your curiosity will help you find uh, something better. Mm. So one of the questions that I love to teach people to ask is how can I improve this? Mm. And it, it, it is the most amazing question. The reason why is because you're not just designed for survival, you're designed to improve. You are designed to adapt, evolve, learn, grow, improve. So mm -hmm. what better question than just asking, how can I improve this situation? If you're down in the dumps, if you've got a difficult uh, situation with your business or whatever the case may be, that one question will take you a very long way. Does that make That's sense? That's a powerful question, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Because it starts your brain to think to into thinking how mm. it's the same as you know if you say I can't do this then no you won't because your brain will shut down. Mm. But asking the question allows your brain to open up and the you know you get new synapses forming and all of the the sciencey bit that you'll know more in depth than myself. Um, that that makes things better. You're absolutely right. We are meant to improve. And as a driver, it's just a human driver. We love to learn. We love to adapt. We love to evolve and we love to improve. So we're not doing anything um, against the energy system of, uh, you know, our state of being. And best of all, um, what what is just so amazing about curiosity is that when you're in, in curiosity in a positive way, you shut down your fear response. So you're you're then using the the power of your body this parasympathetic nervous system to start working for you now you give that a goal and your brain will will work for you the good thing about curiosity as well is it doesn't even have to be 100% intentional so it could be just in the back of your mind how can i prove this but your even if you just ask that in the back of the mind the brain will will start to look for things look for ways to improve rather than looking for the way out. So there's a big, big mm. difference. So then we come to the concept of um, of uh, uh, goals, goal seeking, because curiosity is very intrinsic to goal seeking, which, which is why it's your number one success trait. So again, when you start looking at what is your goal, how can I achieve that in the quickest, mm. fastest time? You program your brain once again, to start working for you. So um, it's it, it does it automatically. You don't even really need to think about it. It just does it for you. So you could, you could plant a question in your mind even before bedtime and by the morning mm -hmm. you probably have an answer. Your brain is so clever, it will find a way. And what's interesting is that when you're sleeping, it's just it's first of all that goes through a, a wash cycle, but it also goes through a cycle of trying to find the information for you. And I think it's mm -hmm. it's downloading. I mean, I like to think it's downloading from the universe. And um, various people will, you know, argue the toss on that one. But uh, but but even still, you know, how how do we come up with some amazing concepts that may not have ever been in the in our uh, vicinity before you know in our our remit or our environment before so then we start to see things so what mm -hmm. curiosity also does is it actually opens up your reticular activating system which is your filtering part of the brain uh, which enables you to see more see more opportunities if you choose to plant that seed within curiosity
it's really powerful stuff and I used to think the whole universe thing was absolute nonsense woo-woo and the more curious I got about it and started looking into things and noticing things the more I realized that actually there is something to this it's not just a think this manifest it and it will happen you still need to take action but I have some crazy stuff go on in my head when I sleep when I'm dreaming and I'm like thinking this isn't all just me there's demons trying to come in somewhere from somewhere I don't know why yet but it's it's opened the possibility of finding a solution as opposed to I'm having trouble sleeping so that just is what it is well no that isn't just what it is and and I do think you know we're all connected like throughout human history we're all connected to the earth we come from a a person we're connected to that person and then we go into the earth and we eat and it's it's all blows my mind a bit it does it i mean when you go down that rabbit hole which um i've consciously gone out, down that rabbit hole for about the last 10 years and uh, i've i've uh, experienced some really astonishing things um all through curiosity really um what's and been, what was what's been a big factor for you in what, what, something that you've come across like something amazing that's happened because of this um well uh, i mean i can i can talk more logically which is uh, left brain thinking um but essentially uh, to be able to switch off your anxiety which was a big thing for me because uh, when i had my operation after the cancer i had i went into to, uh, menopause uh, straight away and um, it was horrific. I mean, I, I cannot even begin to tell you the, the evil that that caused in my life. However, at that time, again, every time a situation came up, I go, okay, A, what's going on? And B, how can I improve this situation? And boom, every time I asked that question, something would come across my path. And it was usually science at the time because I, I tend to look at a lot of science um, and I found a way of just being able to um, switch off uh, the, the mechanism for anxiety um, because that was more, it was a neurological issue. There were definitely, there's definitely an imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a from a, a more sort of esoteric um, perspective, I have significantly increased my intuition and I've had some really in- incredible um, experiences. The the most recent one was that um, I, I've been doing sort of pranic healing. So I've gone up the levels of pranic healing, which is energy healing. And I was able to see the chakras, which I didn't think I'd be oh. able I I didn't even know you could see them. I didn't even, I, I always wondered, how do they know what color they are? How do they know where they sit? Now I know, because you can see them. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so that yeah. must have been incredible. Mm. And the thing is, you know, we believe that it's magic, but it's not. It's energy. And once you start to understand how energy works, and for me, pranic healing gave me a greater depth of understanding of how energy works. And um, you know, it 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 makes me despair at the whole industry uh, of, of the medical industry, um, because I, I I can see how you know this could significantly change the world, and in fact, the um, the master uh, who's based in London, 
um, a guy called uh, Les uh, Flintcroft. He's uh, about to publish 100 different cases of um, uh, cases that could not be solved medically uh, with King's College in London. So he's now starting to get the medical industry really taking note and, and seeing the benefits of this energetic healing. So um, it is a real thing. I've seen it. You can feel it. And, and anyone can feel it. And anyone can do it. Anyone can switch it on. It's always there, you know, but it's just a case of tuning in and then just developing that skill. It's just a skill, just like thinking. But you see, like, again, um, I, I talk about the concept of thinking because thinking is, is an assumed process. We haven't been taught. We haven't been taught right. how to think. And so, you know, all these assumptions need to be reconsidered. And that's why I think, you know, with, with the process of thinking, that really needs to be reconsidered. Um, and that's why I, I break it down for people to sort of go, okay, this is what's going on. This is why you're thinking like this. This is, the, and, and this is where you can turn it around. And when you start to see it, it becomes remarkably simple. But our medical industry, wants to make everything so complicated to scare us to keep mm -hmm. us in the machine and a classic example of this and i know i'm kind of straying off but a classic example of this is is the concept of um of antidepressants first of all they still don't know how they work even if they do work but most importantly mm -hmm. they cause significant additional problems got uh, contraindications essentially that's, that's the word for it but um but going back from that, when you, whenever you've been to the doctor, I know I've been to the doctor a few times, you might be asked, I don't know, five, ten questions, something to do with your sleep, something to do with this, that and the other. And then they'll just go, in the ten minutes they've got, mind you, to diagnose a lifetime of complexity, they go, there you go, have, have uh, antidepressants. Now, I've had that numerous times when it wasn't depression. For instance, I, you know, when I, I actually worked out I had brain fog. But... But in that process, what's interesting is that uh, when you look at uh, the the medical associate medical association determine um, depression as low serotonin, right? Now, if you do uh, get prescribed antidepressants, ask yourself whether the doctor gave you a blood test, because there's no other way of determining if you've got low serotonin unless you have a blood test, right? Okay, true. Yeah. And I guarantee pretty much half the people, if not more, that are on antidepressants have not had a blood test. That's number one. So in my opinion, that's a, that's a fatal error, number one. But the next issue is that the serotonin, they're called serotonin inhibitors, um, SSRI they're called. And what happens is that they take whatever, so if you are depressed, for argument's sake, um, whatever low so, uh, serotonin that you currently have whizzing around in your body, which, by the way, 90% is produced in your gut. Mm -hmm. So uh, what happens is that it reduces that already reduced chemical even more. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it inhibits it and it rations it. So how could that possibly improve depression? Well, it doesn't. What it does is mask the problem. It mm -hmm. gives people, it, it just puts them into some kind of trance um, and, and when they can't feel. 
But there is, I think that there's a fairly simple solution. One is um, pranic healing can significantly help, but just asking yourself simple questions. You know, what am I depressed about? What's causing this? And what is the actual problem? Not what is the actual problem? Exactly. Find the solution yeah. rather than focusing on the problem. Because the, the pharmaceutical industry, they just they want to make money. They they dish out stuff. I know GPs that they have a quota to fill. Yeah. And they don't, you know, they're they're moving down the the more holistic route themselves because they don't like it. I was in America recently and the adverts, I mean, I rarely watch television, but I, I had the te television on and there were so many adverts for drugs from the pharmaceutical industry. And then all of the side effects were the thing that it was supposed to stop you feeling. Mm, yeah. So then there's this additional drug to take with your antidepressant to help your antidepressant to go away from suicidal thoughts and this, this, and this, and this. Mm. But those are the side effects. So if that's the effect of the drug, why am I taking it? Yeah. And and here's the truth. Um, depression is the brain's inability to rationalise a problem. That's mm. the real truth. And so what, what happens is that the brain is trying to find meaning. It's trying to find meaning. It's trying to work out how it can solve a problem, but it's working it out in the wrong way. So it's about understanding what is the right way and what is the wrong way. What is the way that's going to help you think in a way that's going to get you results? And what is the way of thinking that's going to just keep you in this negative spiral? Because I call it a death spiral. And if you continue without sort of, so if you're lucky, sometimes you can, you can trigger yourself out of it if you've got, you know, something inside you, but not everyone does. Now it's really interesting. I again, I I was um, I had a client who um, he had bipolar, and the first thing I said to him was, "So, did the doctor tell talk to you about uh, gut health?" No. Oh well, that's really interesting because predominantly bipolar is actually caused by gut health. So it's you can significantly adjust your whole mental um, uh, health. And this just goes for everything, even anxiety. I switched my anxiety off um, by doing a couple of things, and one was reducing sugars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are brain scientists all around the world that, you know, they're scanning people's brains and seeing the devastation of what sugar can cause. Now, you know, we're going to see an epidemic of uh, dementia or dementia-related mm -hmm. diseases um, because, where we've got a high sugar diet we've got a high uh, processed sugar diet so um we could significantly improve our brain health and our brain uh, or our mental health how we think um and the feelings as well because anxiety is is uh, predominantly you know a feeling based uh, concept um simply by just looking at our diet you know mm -hmm. and looking at how how we think which is why curiosity is so important because it is involved with how you think. It is your how. So um, I, I firmly believe that when you can start adjusting how you think, start using a better mental framing. I don't like to use the word mindset. Uh, I believe the mind is never set. It's an oxymoron. You know, if you if you want a, 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 
uh, mindset growth, for instance, that that is an oxymoron. So let's use the right language. Let's trigger the brain in a way that can start working for you. Let's start teaching the brain or start teaching people how to talk to ourselves Mm. in a way that creates, you know, better for ourselves, improvement. And what's really Mm. interesting, if you've ever done um, uh, or know anything about hypnotherapy, some of the greatest hypnotherapists, I'm working with um, um, Ali, um, Ali Campbell, and um, it's about triggering the brain in a way that starts working for you. That's what hypnotherapy is. It's just very, very clever. It's a very yeah. clever nuances that, that are used. And there are some really good hypnotherapists who know how to trigger the brain in the right, right way, and there are some not so good who haven't quite worked out the best, mm-hmm. the best uh, process. But ultimately, the brain works in a certain way, and when we think, when we talk to it in a certain way, we are giving it commands. We are always mm-hmm. commanding our brain. And the brain being a very faithful servant will do its very best for us. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's about learning to speak to ourselves in a way that makes sense, that 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 gets results. It's about um, asking the right questions, triggering your curiosity. And, you know, you, you then not just improve your life, but you reduce your stress as you do it and you become healthier. Curiosity Mm -hmm. is actually linked to better mental health. There are statistics that suggest that um, you can reduce dementia-related diseases by being more curious. You know, so there are neurological Mm -hmm. and physiological um, evidence that curiosity can significantly improve your health. For instance, the vagus uh, nerve, uh, which is at the back of your back of your uh, brain, um, which is where it's like serotonin comes up from the body, it comes up and then goes through your vagus nerve and into your brain. Now, um, for instance, resilience uh, is if you have good vagal tone, that's because generally speaking, you ha- you are more resilient, or that's a, a physical sign that suggests you're more resilient. Now, what's really interesting about resilience is that, again, because I question everything, um, (laughs) is that resilience is great, but it's really, I I had a client who was uh, in South Wales, um, she was a social worker. And when she started talking to me, she said, my God, you know, for so long, I've been teaching people resilience because she was a resilience teacher. But she said, now that I've spoken to you, now I understand curiosity, it's a bit like being able to swim in the mess with a floaty on, you know? So, okay, so there's the problem. Let's see if we can try and swim through it this time, but with floaties on. Is that really the best that we can do? Well, I don't think that it is. So, therefore, Mm -hmm. what can be above uh, resilience? Well, I believe transcendence, the ability to spot the mess, the ability not only spot the mess before it happens, but to work out a way in which you can jump over or get around it or do something different or learn from it. Or what about welcoming the mess? Now, there are some really, really great speakers in the world, um, like Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx. You know, she's uh, um, in America. Mm-hmm. Spanx is the underwear. And um, I was watching an article that she, well, read an article that she she did. And um, what was really interesting is she actually said, I've gotten to a point where I'm welcoming the challenges. And that kind of got me thinking, wow, 
um, how do we get to that state of being? And I realized it was because you go beyond resilience. So you've built resilience, but what's, um, and, and resilience is a byproduct of curiosity, by the way. Um, but but when you're curious, you can move forward, you can transcend. So that concept of, you know, Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where it says um, uh, self-actualization is the highest level. I don't believe it is. I believe transcendence is the highest level because it enables you to to get to that point where nothing becomes a problem anymore because you are that well built mentally mm -hmm. that you can deal with anything and that's where we need to be teaching people and anyone can achieve this anyone can do it it's and it's not a case of like ignoring the bad quite the opposite it's, mm. a, it's a full experience it's we understand that we're here to experience and to learn and to grow and when we come from that concept that just opens up it just bursts your whole world open and then you can do more, be more, feel more, and just have fun with life. So, yeah. Life's far too short to be miserable and to not explore. I just I can't understand that mentality of not wanting to see what more there is from life because it, the world's a big old place. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. And, you know, obviously the title of this podcast is Confidence Mastery, and I can see how curiosity links to improving your confidence what would you say helps with that yeah um well confidence is a byproduct of curiosity and yeah. the reason why is pretty simple actually is because when you're curious first of all you get out of your brain um and and it and so i'll give you an example when you're connecting with someone uh, the best way to connect with someone is through curiosity. And what that does, it's a wonderful feedback loop. If you've ever seen it, like you and I are having a conversation now, when you become really curious with somebody, your energy is going towards them and their energy is bouncing back to you and it feels really good. So the byproduct of that is going to be confidence. And that works throughout anything that you do. The more curious you are, the more you're learning, the more you're getting out of your brain and into the reality of reality, then the more likely you're going to build up your uh, your confidence. It's just it just naturally comes. And, um, you know, again, it's it's just one of those wonderful things, um, confidence. But you people put a lot of emphasis on it, but it's just another another benefit of curiosity to me, you know? So it's a bit like, um, you know, I, I talk about happiness, but happiness is just an outcome of curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, and mindfulness is an outcome of curiosity. So it's it's really not putting so much emphasis on, and this is what I think is going on, is that we're putting so much emphasis on the end result. But we could, if we could just come back to being more curious, yeah. The result will come. I mean, um, Eat, Play, Love uh, author uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about curiosity all the time. You know, if you can be in curiosity, then you're more likely to find your life purpose. Um, people ask me all the time, how do I find my life purpose? Well, you get curious. You get curious about 
what you like, what you're good at, what you want to do, and you start getting curious about those things. And it will just naturally come. But if you just said to yourself, I want to know what my life purpose is, that's the wrong way of going about it. It dampens your curiosity and you won't get very far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, again, it's about understanding how curiosity works and that's the trick. Oh, I love that. That's sort of made me tingle a bit. It's made me want to go and explore stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You speak a lot of, you were talking about um, switching off anxiety um, and I think that's something, if you don't mind, if we can come back to that, just purely because I'm finding a lot of people are becoming more and more anxious. Yeah. And with that, they're finding a lack of confidence and they're not going out and doing things. And I don't think that people should be feeling this way. So how can we switch off the anxiety in order to become more curious and lead, lead better lives? Well, it, it, maybe the question is the other way around. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So the very first question that, that you would all, always ask is, what is my body telling me? Because anxiety is the body telling you that you're forward pacing and you're worried about something. Now, um, it's also based on um, past events. So we bearing in mind, and this is the whole issue with thinking the process a lot of that process is based on old information because it's trying to keep us safe so it's coming from a place of what you know already and with anxiety you're forward pacing because the brain wants to keep you safe it's worried about something and it's constantly referring back to that old information but what's going on is that old information is just fueling the anxiety so you can immediately step out of that by just triggering your curiosity now it's important to understand that sometimes you need to know what is what is the real worry so very first thing I ask is what's going on in my body okay body what are you trying to tell me naturally you will feel anxious so I'm anxious And when people understand that anxiety is the brain forward pacing and worried about something, okay, I'm anxious now, I'm forward pacing, what am I worried about? And normally the brain will go through various different thought processes because it's calculating. It's just calculating all the time based on old information and it's just going, you don't want that and 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 your brain, your body's just going, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. And so it just goes round and round and round and it's a vicious circle until you break it. And then you can go very casually, okay, so if I'm worried about that situation, what could... What could be the one thing that might happen that I'm not prepared for or I'm not even going to um, rely on old information? So in other words, um, what's something new that could happen? Where can I see the good in this? What, what potentially could go right? That's a really great question. You know, what could potentially go right in this situation? But again, the brain is going, but what this could go wrong, but that could go wrong. And you go, okay, I, I know that. Thank you very much, brain. And and so it's always worth giving your brain or your your ego, um, because it's it's kind of they're kind of inter- interlinked. It's really good giving that giving that um whoever's talking to you or whatever's talking to you a name. 
Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it's just me as a little child because I used to have a nickname. So I go, okay, you know, um, and I I was called Moji. So, okay, Moji, um, what what are you worried about? Okay, so what if we could do something instead? What if, what if something could go really right? Let's look at all the things that could go right. And boom, I shut my ego up. I shut that brain. I shut that whole, you know, I don't like to call it a monkey because I think it undermines the brain. Um, but so it's a case of, you know, what can go right? And wow, it just transforms the whole situation. But the other issue is that always with anxiety or any mental health issues, check what you're eating and reduce mm-hmm. your sugars, reduce your alcohol, um, reduce your coffee. That's another thing. Um, because even even the caffeine, you know, causes you to become quite jittery. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with transferring over to um uh decaf for instance uh so if i have you and you don't you tend to have these bouts of anxiety where things just sort of get bigger go off completely and just have uh, decaf so it's just little things like that but they make such a big difference such a massive difference i know a lady that she cured her body of ms through her diet it's just absolutely phenomenal like i, I know i feel so much better when I'm on prep and I'm eating right and, you know, doing the exercise that I love to do. So why am I going to not treat my body in that manner? This is something I've tried to get across to people, Your, you know, diet and exercise, diet being the food you eat, not going on a diet, um, is a treat for your body and your mind. It's not a punishment. Yeah. And actually I was, so one of the things I was working with a a Harley Street um, nutritionalist uh, for like, she had a a, um, clinic there for 30 years and she absolutely firmly believed that a good diet starts with curiosity. Now I, um, believe it or not, I, I reduced my size from, I was edging up to a size 18 and I thought to myself, there is no way I'm going there. There's no way I'm going there. So um, I started to get really curious about my diet and um, what was really interesting, this is a major thing, I started to look at very curiously how that food was affecting my body, how it was affecting my brain in particular because at that time I was suffering from brain fog which the doctor didn't diagnose so I had to diagnose myself. And I was like, okay, so if I've got brain fog, because I worked it out that I had, and it's like, what what can I do to improve my my brain health? So mm-hmm. I really looked at every single thing that that went into my body. Now, some people might think that that takes a long time. It doesn't, but you do need to be consciously aware of eating, how that affects your body one hour, two hours, and maybe four hours afterwards. Um how it affects your sleep, for instance, how it affects your mental performance throughout mm. the day um, and things like uh, lethargy. Do you feel, so what you, what you'll, I'm sure you would agree with this, that when you're eating really healthily, your brain is crystal clear thinking yep. and yep. your body is just performing really, really well and you also feel really good. But what mm-hmm. goes on is that we're we're just lazy. We 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 we're trying to seek these fast comforts, but that's all they are. They're fast comforts, and then they cause more problems in the long run. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a you know another travesty with with the way that we think. You know, 
we're just looking for these quick fixes, but they're it not is. that quick in the end and they're not that, and they don't fix anything. They make matters worse. <laughs> you've lived a lifetime of habits that have got you to that certain point. It's not going to change overnight or in a month or two. You need to be committed to being curious for the duration, the rest of your life yeah. in order for things to change. And to give you some perspective on on my weight loss, so yeah. I went to you know edging up towards a, a size eighteen, standing in the in the shop thinking there is no way I'm buying a size eighteen. I am not doing this, and to I actually dropped down to a size six. Wow! So you know that was quite, and that was over a period of just under two years, about eighteen. Oh, two years. That's incredible. Yeah, and there was no yeah. real diet. I didn't have any diet coach. I didn't have any nutritionalist or anything like that. I just started to look at what feels good in my body and really focusing on just getting curious about how that feels and how my mental um, my mental uh, ability significantly improved. And it was transformational, really it was. And even now, you know, I know I have I have binge days and things like that and I feel so sluggish mentally and physically. So, yeah big difference I get that too sometimes you get, you get like a food hangover yeah yeah you do <laughs> yeah that's right yeah Weird, and it's it? awful and you in, in that in that moment I feel feel like oh I might as well have just drunk if I'm going to feel like this yeah. so <laughs> yeah but it's incredible what what has that done for you and your confidence yeah do you know what I um I I had no idea, uh, first of all, that I was even remotely attractive until I started losing weight and, and people sort of saying, wow, you know, you look amazing. And then people saying to me just various different things. And I thought, who are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, who are you talking about? Honestly, because I did not identify at all as being remotely attractive. So that was a really weird thing for me, wow. really weird. Um, I, I, I really, I even struggled to, you know, to this point. Um, but then um, I, I guess I've never really been focused on the physical of me. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I've always been focused on the, yeah, just um, working, I had a good work ethic and the mental side and always looking after my kids. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, something all of a sudden just changed. I was like, wow. You really started to see yourself. Yeah, where have I been all these years? Uh -huh. and, I, and I'll say this, you know, what's interesting, particularly about being, I mean, I'm, I'm in various different groups, but listening to a lot of women speak who have had children, for instance, there is definitely like, a, there comes a point of, of time where it's like a disassociation of who you really are. And so you compartmentalize for each um, individual. So I'll give you an example. You compartmentalize uh, who you are, depending on who you're talking to. So if it's, uh, your boss or if it's your um, partner or if it's your child or if it's your friend and what what I noticed throughout this process is that that they none of them met none of them met at all so it was a case of having to go what's going on here you know mm -hmm. um and realizing just how switched off I was in terms of you know just the world just myself and the world and my kids and and everything so it was a case of trying to work out what what's really going on here and I speak to a lot of women they all say the same thing mm. because we're so focused that. so yeah. focused on various things so focus on other things that you don't focus on yourself and you know you aren't just mum you're Melinda yeah yeah 
so self-love was was a, a strange concept initially um very odd it was what do you mean I gotta love myself what what is that about because <laughs> it just did not come naturally yep. <laughs> so. no, I, I used to think exactly the same and when I started to put myself first and rather than being this person to all of this the the other people it's like hang on a minute and then my relationships improved because yeah, yeah. I understood me more my behaviors and why I was doing things and like everything just becomes better when you look internally and you you know start to love yourself and have the confidence to stand up and say I am this strong person who is capable of whatever yeah 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 and I and I, I just think that it's a becoming um but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a becoming it doesn't have to be that we find out at the age of 40 something it could be why why can't we teach our kids this much younger mm. you know so it's a very unusual, so many people go through it and they go through it's so much pain in the world. I don't think it needs to be this way. And I think that if mm. we could just have this different approach to how we think, how we feel at a very, very early stage, yeah. then I I really don't think we will have these problems in the world. But, you know, it's, it's uh, the machine is driving it. Mm. Um, and, and ease is driving it, ease and the machine. Well, that's what worries me about AI, to be honest. But that's a whole, whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just touching on on AI, um, you know, th th look, there is a time and place for everything, but there's got to be an understanding of what AI potentially will do to the brain, um, because you know we're in a we're in a time now where mental health is skyrocketing. Right, it's no longer a pandemic it's an epidemic we're in epidemic proportions and what's amazing is that um when you look at ai on the whole it's it's it can definitely in, improve um work processes right but what it will also do is reduce your curiosity muscle and therefore when you're reducing your curiosity muscle it also means that you potentially will be, uh, you know, getting uh, these uh, dementia-related diseases much later on in life, which mm. is scary. Yeah. Now, they're already on the increase. So the moment that you're doing things automatically and you're not thinking in a way um, that is beneficial to your brain neurologically, mm -hmm. then you're going to suffer. So um, whilst they don't have a problem with it, I think that that needs to be highlighted to people, that you can't just continually rely on something. What you've also got to bear in mind with AI, I like to think of it a bit like, a, a you know, it's like you're blowing all the information into a balloon, right? And if you were to hold that balloon, it's a library of information, of current information of what we've got available. But what's on the outside? The outside mm. is everything else. And so I, I don't use AI unless it's kind of I'll ask it maybe to uh, could you just tweak it a little bit, make it a little bit better. But when I'm writing something, I don't use AI because I want to come from a place of originality, of original thinking, of, um, of being able to provide uh, decent content because otherwise it's just, you know, there, there is a question now of what is content? Is, is content or information even valid? or important mm -hmm. or valuable anymore. 
Um, so it, it's very, it's it's a very fine line, and I think that the world needs to be aware that it's just a library, and it's not going to it's not going to give you anything new. Mm. <laughs> and I think that that's what people think it's going to do. It's going to give them something new, and to a degree. Yes, it will in terms of when you like software. I know that software can be created using AI, but again, it's only using the information of what it currently knows. Yeah. But one of the, I think one of the key things that will fight AI is curiosity. It's probably the that and love. I think is probably the only two things that can significantly improve the fight against AI, or at least for us to be able to stay that much further ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I said that before, it's the it's like the dumbing down of humans because they won't use their own brains to think anymore. So yeah. that's what I'm concerned about, the kind yeah. of conversations that we're having. Like, is, is, am I talking to a real person or not? And maybe that will just force us back into the real world and be meeting up with people in person more. So we know it's actually... I, 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 I doubt it, you know. I just think that the, we're just so driven by nonsense and it's, it's. I mean, I know myself as a speaker and what I'm trying to achieve, it's really hard to even get my concepts across to people and yet I do feel that I've got something to share, something really uh, individual and new um, and, and that's a struggle because there's so many voices in the world, you know, and um, and and yet What's really interesting is that we're seeing the youngsters using um, different uh, ways in which they're getting seen and heard and making lots of money. And that's terrific too because they don't have that fear. But um, I'm sure you'd appreciate, you know, what it's like going out and speaking, particularly for women, you know, it's almost sure death, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that I is. I, I do love it though. After that initial, I mean, I get nervous before everyone, and that's sure. because I care. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to have, it's just this demonstration of, you know, wanting the audience to get something out of it. But then once like, you're there and you're interacting and you can see people smiling and nodding and getting something from it, I just absolutely love it, being able to, it's like this podcast and the amazing conversations I get to have and help you get your voice around the world as well so you know thank you very much for sharing all that you have and I know that the listeners are going to be thinking where can I find Melinda (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just go on to curiousyou.com curiousyou.com are you on socials will we find you Melinda Mulcahy on socials on uh, Instagram and doing TikTok so I'm doing doing videos on TikToks my kids are just like oh (laughs) mum uh but anyway amazing are you enjoying the tiktok journey um it's not a hint i I find it very scary that particularly it opens you up to strange people um sending you strange hellos and things like that and i just you know i think that it needs to be policed and it's the same for instagram i I mean how many elon musks there are following me it's hilarious you know (laughs) I only wish that they had something that could really um, get rid of all that because mm. it just ruins the whole experience, if I'm honest. It does. And the, yeah. the things that people think is okay to send is totally unacceptable. Yes. Yeah. I've had some, some recently. men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't send me that, mate. Go away. Just, you're not my mate. You're not yeah. anything. 
No, I don't know how they have the confidence to do it. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other question. <laughs> so if you could leave people with one top tip to be more confident, what would it be? Ooh, top tip to be confident, just be curious, you know, just particularly if you're going to be doing meeting people, just rather think rather than think about you, think about them. And that one just makes such a big difference with your connection. You'll be so much more engaged if you just focus and you're just curious about them. And I find that that is a, is a massive uh, thing that's missing in, in connections, relationships and, and what have you. So, yeah, just focus on them, not on you. I love that. Thank you very much. And on that note, to everybody listening, please, if you've enjoyed this, share this with your friends, families, loved ones, colleagues, and even the people that you don't like, because they probably need some more curiosity in their life too. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining us, Melinda. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. You're good. No, I did. No, I did. <laughs> I, just... <laughs> I missed the cue then. I was so intent and I was listening to you. I was like, oh, what's she going to say? <laughs> I was really curious. And then I just completely missed the cue. <laughs> Amazing. Well, on that funny note, thank you very much for being here and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with people you think it will help. And stay tuned and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube by searching for Natalie Arabella Bailey. And join the Better Together for Confidence and Mindset Facebook community to improve your confidence, network and life.